0: Welcome to the Marvelicious Toys Podcast, hosted by the Astonishing Arnie, the Mighty Marjorie, and Captain Justin. Nah, just Justin. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more, because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. Join us at MarveliciousToys.com to find thousands of pictures of the items reviewed, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages, and much more. They're not just toys, they're marvelous. Hey. Hey.
1: Hello and welcome to Marvelicious Toys, I'm Marjorie.
2: This is Arnie. And this is Justin.
1: Welcome
3: back. When last we left this show, I was talking about how the HasLab Ghost Rider car, it's going to be funded. I know it's going to be funded. It went over halfway in the first weekend. I was saying the Galactus wouldn't be funded. I was full of optimism. There was no way that this HasLab Oops. <laughs> <laughs> really took a weird turn, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I can't believe people are so vengeful over a toy. I mean, The only reason this didn't fund is because people got all hot and bothered because the Robbie Reyes figure was an early tier award if it got funded, and they wanted that body, not the head that they made good on later.
2: It was weird. Like Seriously, that first week, I didn't hear too much complaining, and then it seems like one or two people started complaining about the price, and then that became the entire discussion. People were like this is just way overpriced. I can get a car for blah, 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 and this and that. And they're, they're really trying to get in our wallets. it's like, folks, hate to tell you this,
3: Hasbro's is always trying to get into our wallets. That's what they do. It's their job. Yeah. The thing that I think people were saying though, is this was an overreach. Like they shot too high, wanting too much profit. But I do believe this car was expensive for them to make. It's not like they could have priced this at 250 and chose to price it at 350 is my belief. Yeah, I I think
2: we just need to maybe recalibrate how we look at the Haslabs because I think so many people get hung up on on what the add-ins and the tiers are gonna be and if that adds value and blah, blah, blah. Maybe Hasbro should just take a different approach and say like, here's a project, here's how much it's gonna cost. If you wanna pre-order one, pre-order one in this window. And if we hit, 10,000 backers, we will go forward with this. If not, we scratch it. It's same concept, but there's just there needs to be some sort of reimagining of how this is presented because right now, too many people are looking at it as, well, they're asking $350 for this car, which I don't feel like is worth $350, so it has to come down to the tiers. And to me, it's like, hey, if I want that car, I'm going to pay $350 for it. Whatever the tiers are, who cares? That'll be butter on the toast at that point.
3: I mean, they started losing backers when that early bird Robbie Reyes figure didn't happen. And it wasn't just the exact same body. It did have different pants. It was a different painted groin and then different legs than the Ghost Rider figure. But I did tweet Dan Yoon at that point And I'm like, can't you just throw in the head and the scarf because you got two thirds of the way? Give us one third of a figure for two thirds of the way to the backers. But I think a lot of people, maybe myself, put in orders they didn't intend to keep just for the sake of trying to get this to its early bird backing. Because I ordered two, which is what I wanted of the car. And then when the early bird didn't hit immediately and we were starting to get down to it, I threw in an order for three more, hoping that it would get over the number needed for just the early bird figure.
1: Wait a second, though. So if it was going to fund fully, then you'd back those out.
3: Yeah. The the thing that gets me is,
2: Everybody becomes like not only toy experts, but they also become like insider toy industry experts. All of a sudden, they, they know the exact cost of tooling for every part of everything that is going into this has lab. And it's just like, can we settle down? It's not like they were asking $700 for a car and some figures. It was $350 to me, about $50, a little too much, but that wasn't going to break it for me, you know? Over the course of a year, before we get this, $50 comes and go quite a few times.
1: I like the guys who weren't going to back it out of spite because they're going to send a message to Hasbro about this. I'm like, dude. I tried getting into it with one of them, not like in a negative way,
3: but I'm like, what message are you sending? That they need to learn. What do they need to learn? I just kept asking questions. They're like, you're a jerk. I'm I'm literally asking you questions. I am not trying to be difficult. I'm trying to figure out what message you're sending because I talk to the Hasbro guy sometimes. Maybe I could take your message, finesse it a little bit and pass it along, but I couldn't get a coherent answer of what message they wanted to send. Although I do have to get a shout out. We weren't at New York Comic-Con. Hasbro did take the Engine of Vengeance to New York Comic-Con and they did some interviews there. And there's one that was absolutely great. Boog at ACBA, the Articulated Comic Book Art, Boog got two interviews with them for like a total of 45 minutes. And they gave Boog the best course in economics I've ever seen because he asked questions that seemed reasonable on the surface of like, the cost of figures have gone up. Can you commit to us of including two pairs of alternate hands with every figure in order to help us offset that we're paying more for the figure. And it was Dwight who just said, we're not charging more, the cost has gone up. And so he started like giving an economics lesson in when the cost of manufacturing goes up and it's passed on, we're not making more money. So therefore we're not able to throw more stuff in. If we throw more stuff in, then we have to take the price even higher in order to do that. And then he started pointing out little things I never thought of, like Spider-Man extra hands cost more because they have to paint them with the webbing as compared to human hands where they're just molded in that plastic. It was just, Mm -hmm. it was stuff I felt I knew, but to hear Dwight and Ryan and Dan just kind of spell it out, I thought was something all those people who think you're experts in toy manufacturing should go watch that interview and pay attention and not immediately think they're lying. You know, because yeah. if, if you're going to say every word out of their mouth and say it's a lie, then there's no reaching you. It's like a political divide. But if you can believe that they are telling you the truth because they have no reason not to, they've never seemed duplicitous to me in my dealings, then I thought that was a really good insight into what's going on and what challenges Hasbro is facing right now that are resulting in these higher prices that include a Haslab. I think if they'd done this Haslab two years ago, it would have been 250.
2: That's the other thing too, Arnie, that you kind of hit on is that I-, I see a lot of people attacking Dwight, Dan, and Ryan as if they're the ones making these pricing decisions, which couldn't be further from the truth. These are the guys who work on the toys. They're the ones who market the toys. They have no say on what the msrp is going to be on any of this stuff and a lot of times they don't even have much say on what the hazlab is going to be i'm sure they have some input on what they think would be great and stuff like that but all of these decisions that people are complaining about are coming down from higher up from people that you have no idea who they are so griping at these guys who take time out of their work schedule to interact with us as fans isn't doing anybody any good
3: yeah i've started to see dan because he's on twitter and he communicates with the fans and I think that's awesome. But because he puts things out there, they're starting to give him some of the same treatment that I see Patrick on the Star Wars team get. And it's like, that is completely unfair. He's he's operating in good faith. So to start, you know, he said Galactuses wouldn't start arriving until November. That was his reasonable insider estimate. Some arrived in October and people are starting to say he's full of it. And it's just... Childish.
2: Yeah. Childish is the right word for it. I mean, And yes, we are talking about toys and collectibles, but for the most part, we are grown-ups, and we should really (laughs) act like it, for the most part. (laughs) Not all the time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That said, it was interesting to watch them. The word they used with Boog is pivot on this, because the first stretch goal was revealed when the early bird didn't make it, and it was at 12,000. And looking at how it went, 12,000 was so optimistic. But... (laughs) The Mephisto figure,
2: yeah, I guess my biggest disappointment is is I'm still left in the wind. We, we won't know unless they try something like this again. but what would the quality of a three hundred dollar three hundred fifty dollar car in six inch scale? Look like, and I think that's a point so many people miss. Like I keep seeing people saying, "Hey, you can get this Batmobile, which is almost a charger for one hundred and fifty bucks, and it's it's remote control. so it's just as technologically advanced. It's like, right? Sure, yes, they're both cars, but like there's we talked about it last time. there's a big difference between that happy meal thermoform plastic General Lee car and an actual model kit. you know we we won't have we won't ever have our hands on what a nicely engineered Marvel Legends car would feel like
3: and what lessons will hasbro learn obviously every failed project has a lessons learned every project usually has a post-mortem i imagine there's one here does this mean they think vehicles don't work they think only big figures work does this mean i saw people saying that they have paid this for a tricked out punisher van full of weapons and you know maybe his tech character whose name i'm blanking on right now you know if you had that kind of thing. And I'm like, that would be an awesome HasLab. but did this tell them vehicles won't work and so you've got to stick to big characters? One person I follow on Twitter though, and I can't remember who it was, but they said, maybe toy companies need to chill it on the crowdfunding a little bit. Not every license needs to have a crowdfunding every year where it feels almost like this one might've been a little bit forced or rushed, Yeah, I can see that.
2: And I I still haven't like figured it out in my head all the way yet. But like just the idea of crowdfunding has soured with a lot of people. And I think reimagining it as a pre-order with a minimum goal to hit to go into production. Yeah, we can only do this if we can make 8,000 units. So if we don't get 8,000 units, we won't do it. Everybody gets refunded or whatever. But yeah, right now crowdfunding just has such a sour taste to a lot of people.
1: But I mean, basically what it is is a guaranteed pre-order, not like Walmart, Target, who's going to cancel it on you. But and, and it's a good way for Hasbro to get larger items that they can't get retail space for. So we haven't seen a large item at retail for a decade, maybe. And yeah. Transformers
3: like, put some out. But as I've seen people say, it's up to the stores who they give the shelf space to. And it's based on what the previous items that sold did. I don't think Star Wars is going to have too much luck getting a Black Series TIE Fighter out in stores again.
1: However, Marvel, wasn't that the number one boys brand? It was for a couple
3: of years. I I haven't seen the latest stats.
1: But there's not many large items in the retail space anyway right now, because that's a big chunk of space that they're giving up for. They could sell many items that probably cost total, sell more than that. But, you know, it's a a nice way to do a large item that you wouldn't otherwise get. I think maybe step away from calling it a dream project because I don't think anybody's dreaming of Robbie Reyes' car. And a few of the things in the Star Wars side, too, I don't think a lot of people were clamoring for, like, Riva saber kind of thing. You know, it's not like a dream project. It's like, hey, we're going to make a large item this year, and we have to make X amount before we can do it, so... We'll take orders until this date. And if we don't make it, we're not going to make the item.
2: We talked about it on Swan a little bit. And, it, you know, with the job of the Huts, you know, Bib Fortuna's throne room. I feel like that was something that probably was meant to be a HasLab, but they just decided to do pre-orders on it and see how it went. And I, I guarantee you, if the pre-orders didn't go well on that, they would have announced that it got canceled or something. But the, I think they made their minimum order, so they went
3: ahead with it. And it won't be out until a year from now, pretty much like a HasLab. I'm not so disappointed about not getting the car. I think it would be cool. I think it would be big. I think that I'm not sure that my Detolfs would be the right way to display it where I'd like to have it at an angle and not just sideways. But I am sad to not get those stretch goal figures they teased. I really, really wanted two of the three. I really wanted that Mephisto. That's a badass looking figure. I told Marjorie, I'll pay $350 for Mephisto and then you give me a car. And I never thought they'd make a Goblin Queen. She's just a really cool X Men character, Madeline Pryor. And I saw some people complaining oh, she's not risque enough. She doesn't look like she did in the classic comics.
2: More underboob.
3: <laughs> I get it, but. First of all, I thought the crotch was a little skimpy as it is, so I don't know if you're really looking for your action figure nudity, and I don't know who is, but there's that. But second of all, I'm not expecting Hasbro to do that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm disappointed, but not heartbroken. You know what I'm saying? Like, my collection's not going to have a huge Robbie Reyes charger hole in it,
3: but you know i would have liked to see it fun i would have liked to have this i would have liked the hellstrom figure as well i'm serious the figures excited me far more than the car did i would have liked all five of these action figures which at 30 a piece comes to 150 and then it's only 200 for the car Yep. but yeah it's not to be i'm curious what the next one will be when the next one will be it's been over a year for the star wars team since the rancor I think that, you know, they're kind of strategizing. Yes, they did have the Reva Saber. No, I don't think that one counts. (laughs) It's not action figure-y, so it doesn't feel the same way.
2: (laughs) Yeah, at least with the Rancor, you can look at that and think, like, that was just a little bit ill-timed. You know, if they would have waited a little bit on that, and then there was a Rancor in the Book of Boba Fett, then that could have been used to tie in. But uh, as it was, it was just kind of random. Like, yeah, there's a Rancor in Star Wars. Let's do that. Well, it was a it, huge part of Return of the Jedi. Right. But I'm saying, like, within a month, there was a rancor on screen with Book of Boba Fett. You know, yeah. it just would have been a little bit more relevancy at that time. And maybe, maybe, you know, this Ghost Rider one suffered a little bit of that, too. It's like, what's the current Ghost Rider in the Marvel entertainment going on now outside of the comic books? Not
3: a whole lot. No. But what they had was Robbie Reyes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to follow up on something else from our last show i was grousing about the marvel unlimited exclusive figure that daredevil that looks almost exactly like the daredevil that was released at walgreens Mm -hmm. well my marvel unlimited kit came in about a week and a half ago imagine my surprise when i opened it up and found the figure wasn't sitting inside of a baggie they've always been just baggied figures before and now they sent a full retro carded Daredevil with the Marvel Unlimited logo. Mm-hmm. Playing dirty games now. <laughs> you said that in 10 years, I'll find this Daredevil in a box of figures and wonder, where did this Daredevil come from? Is it the Walgreens one? Not if I keep it carded. I'm going to know where this came from. Right. That's what I'm saying. Dirty
2: games, because if it was just a baggy figure, I don't need it. But now that it's a carded figure,
3: <laughs> uh. Might be joining the Unlimited this year. I've seen it selling for 120 and up on eBay. And on Marvel Unlimited subscriptions, only like 900. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) finally, I did get something in the mail since our last show that we had talked about that was a little bit interesting my (laughs) selfie (laughs) series figure. I ordered myself as Iron Man, or vaguely not.
2: Well, I don't remember, did you do the selfie experience at Comic-Con or did you do this through the app like most I people did it will th- do?
3: I did it through the app the weekend of PulseCon when the price was still low because this was supposed to be $60. And then they announced it had jumped in price to $80. Outrageous. But <laughs> I wanted to get in when it was still 60 which they said it was only for PulseCon. But then they did it again. A couple weeks ago. So I did two scans and ordered two figures. My Iron Man came in first. And there's a lot of things that shocked me about this. First, this doesn't feel like 3D printing. It doesn't feel like resin. It doesn't have that chalky feel. I can't see the lines of the printing. And it has a sheen to it that really makes it look like an action figure.
1: But it does feel different than the rest of the plastic on it. If you feel it, it does have a different feel.
3: But it's not the stone feeling.
2: No, of it's, like it's not, the not like the resin. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it does have a different texture to it. And
2: I do wonder if they are manufacturing a certain number of heads, a certain number of hairstyles in certain colors, and then just kind of mixing and matching based on your photograph. Because these aren't, and this is the reason why I didn't order, because I was waiting to see what people started to get. And I was hoping that we were at a place where the technology would be, you take these scans of your head and you send it in and they actually produce a 3D representation of your head with your shape and your little nuances here and there. That's not what we're getting here. I think there's like three head shapes and they pick which one is closest to you (laughs) and then they apply a picture of your face (laughs) on this face shape.
3: I wonder if that's the case. You know, when you use the app it does make that 3D model of your head. It shows you and you can look at it. But yeah, this doesn't entirely feel like my face and I don't th- I don't think it looks a whole lot like me. If I squint and look at it from a certain angle, maybe a little.
2: Yeah, that's what's creepy about it. It does capture bits and pieces like if you cover up half of your face, like one of your eyes does look like, oh, that's Arnie, you know, <laughs> but, especially on this Iron Man one. This kind of looks like an AI tried to figure out what Shia LaBeouf would look like when he grew up without knowing what Shia LaBeouf <laughs>
3: looked like when he grew up. <laughs> it did come in an Iron Man box with accessories. I got two blue blast accessories that I can lock in the hand or lock in the feet. I have to say I didn't expect that. Mm hmm. But I can't look straight up because of the weird neck articulation on this Iron Man body. And that neck juts forward. And so it really makes the head look like it's ahead of the body, you know, like forward of the body.
2: Yeah. But you said it doesn't feel brittle. Are you afraid that it might break if you tried too much to mess around with the head, taking it on and off of figures?
3: No, I'm not. I was thinking I wouldn't try to pop this off but this is a regular ball-jointed head. I was able to pop it onto an Iron Spider-Man, so I could have something, instead of just the offerings they had, any of the ones with ball-jointed heads, I'd be able to pop this head on, you know, mostly, reasonably assuming that the pegs are the same size. Right. But I got one in of me as an X-Wing pilot, and that one seemed to do a lot better. It does feel at least more
2: fully human.
1: <laughs> you know what's bothering me is like the mouth is weird. Like I feel like you should have teeth showing, but I it do just have looks teeth like... showing. But it looks like it's all gum. <laughs> I think those are teeth. Something looks unnatural about the mouth. And they put dark all around your eyes and your mouth. I don't know if they did that for everybody. Yeah, it's kind of a raccoon thing they did to my eyes. I
3: don't know why they did that. I understand maybe I had bags under my eyes from lack of sleep, but that didn't need to be applied in that method. (laughs) I mean,
2: I guess I'll say that like this feels like a right step in the right direction as far as mass-producing custom figures for people. But I feel like this is where we should have been five years ago. And by now, we should be way more down this road and having way more accurate results for something like this.
3: I'll say that the first one I got, I went, this is not ready for prime time. They should not have launched if this is how it's going to end up looking. And I have some friends who have been sharing their picks with me also, and it doesn't look like them either. All of us had had pretty severe disappointment. When my X-Wing pilot came in, we all agreed, this is probably the best of all of our representations that we've seen. But it still didn't have that, oh, my God, I'm an action figure feel that I think this should have. I think that, like, the 3D me, super me that they did with the Titan figures, which was 3D printing, did a lot better job at capturing us than this selfie series is doing. But it took the selfie series for me to realize, did you know that the the Legends figures are giants next to the Black Series figures? (laughs) I mean...
2: You couldn't have picked two, I mean, unless you had Hulks in there. But yeah, <laughs> the the Iron Man is is big for the scale it's in, and the Luke is small for the scale it's in. So yeah, there's. I think we're showing both ends of the, the spectrum here on size disparities in the lines.
3: But here's what's interesting. they They did my heads at different sizes. The yeah. Iron Man head is bigger than the Luke head in order to fit the body.
2: Interesting.
3: But Dwight did say, I think in that interview with Boog, that Legends are really more of a six and a half inch scale. They're a little bit bigger than six inch.
2: Is this the result of two different scans and two different orders where you picked the hair and stuff separately? Or did you do one scan, order an Iron Man, and then back out and then order an X-Wing pilot?
3: You have to do a different scan per order. So this is two scans done within minutes of each other. Same lighting conditions, outdoors, bright sun. I did pick different hair because they don't have my hair. So I picked hair that was a little bit, you know, what looked kind of like mine, but I was torn between two. So I went with two different ones. You don't have have a flat top. I think I should have gone with black hair, but technically mine's brown. So I went with brown hair and no, I think I'm much closer to black hair than brown hair.
1: You are, yes. I would have told you yep. to pick black hair had you asked. This
3: this this whole experience
1: reminds me a lot
2: of, I mean, I think they do it in like Call of Duty games and stuff like that too, but it feels like the process of making yourself in a video game where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of options and no matter how much you tinker around, it's never going to be just right. And you just kind of made a weird looking version of yourself. <laughs> I feel like that's where we are here. You know, I do I do see Arnie, especially in the X-Wing head. Your eyes are, you know, there. But you yeah. know what it
1: looks like they did? It looks like they, instead of just making a larger scale, it looks like they just kind of poofed it up.
2: Yeah, the face, like... the, the eyes and mouth are the same size on both figures. It just looks like on Iron Man, you got more head.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and don't we all need more of that?
2: <laughs> well, well Arnie, would, you, would you do in... it again? Or are you going to wait no. for some upgrades in this line? Like, let them work out the kinks and reintroduce it.
3: I got to wait for version 2.0. First of all, they didn't have my facial hairstyle. Now I'm sorry. I have a classic Van Dyke. Thank you. It is not a strange and unusual hairstyle. So I wish that they would have had that option instead of making me go for more of the Zorro with just the mustache and the soul patch. Mm. So I felt like that was something that they would keep adding to as time went on. If I was going to do it again, I'd probably reorder and go with black hair now, but I'm not going to because I'm just not that impressed with it for 60 bucks. Yeah. And and so if they come out and say, hey, better likenesses, then maybe I'll try again. But for now, I feel like I have some custom fodder, I suppose. I can throw myself in Galactus's hand or something, but it's honestly, it's not worth it. I don't think it's close enough. I can't endorse it as a product or a system. Yeah. One, one thing I was thinking that it might be good for, and
2: I can't say for sure one way or another yet is for customizers. It might be a good base or good way to get a portrait of yourself that you don't have to paint and maybe order it without hair or without facial facial hair. Just get your face on a, a bald head. And then when you get it, you can sculpt your own hair, paint your own beard, what have you.
3: Yeah, but we see the wildly different results with two different scans done at the same time. I think that customizers who were sculpting hair wouldn't be happy with this level of accuracy. Mm, yeah. But I did get something else much, much cooler in the mail this past week. Finally, after teasing us since before San Diego Comic-Con, the Mojo World set has shown up.
2: Yes, just in time too, because I was about ready to break down <laughs> and buy the the single version off the shelf at Target. Oh, you didn't? No, I, I held my ground because I was like, I don't need two Mojos. Oh, you
3: never can have too much Mojo, baby. <laughs> so, Justin, you actually got your Mojo World set in because we've been waiting and waiting for you to get your Galactus.
2: Yeah, and you know what's funny? They showed up on the exact same day. Mojo came via UPS, no signature, just sitting on my porch. Galactus came FedEx, and I had to intercept the delivery guy so I could sign for it. So <laughs> it's <was> just... <laughs> One of those things, but yeah, ripped into the Mojo set. Still haven't had a chance to get into Galactus yet.
3: Yeah, we will definitely be talking Galactus on a later show, since you just got yours. But hey, since we just both got Mojo, seemed like the right thing to talk about. I'm just opening mine right now for the first time.
2: Nice. It's qu- it's kind of kind of a task, man. It's it's a box with a what do they call that outer band? I remember Dwight the said belly it one time. Band. And- Belly band. There you go. But the belly band and then there's more boxes inside. And it's not just it's not just boxes. It's I mean, we've seen it. It's the remote and the TV guide looking box.
3: So, yeah, I'm looking at the remote box right now and it's okay. It's for the Dazzler figure. It's got Dazzler's picture on the other side.
2: Yep. They even went as far as to do embossing on that box. The buttons are all raised.
3: That's kind of cool. The Dazzler side has some as well. Like,
2: yeah. Like it's a big sticker.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you something that I do like about this plastic-free packaging. I like figures in tissue wrap more than I like them in those blisters that I've have to. I've edited out probably a hundred hours in my lifetime of us opening figures and those blisters making that <laughs> sound. <laughs> and as bad as that sound is in
2: real life, it's even more amplified over microphones.
3: <laughs> the tissue paper is probably no better through a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so Dazzler comes with her multicolored rings and a pair of extra hands. Yep, not a bad figure. I love the '80s style. The headband makes me think she wants to get physical.
2: Yeah, you know we we just lost the Livy Newton John this year, but you know she is giving off some of that vibe. So yeah, packaged she comes with two fisted hands, and then also like Arnie said, comes with a couple open hands. The nice thing is, is her left hand on both. Her knuckles are bare.
3: That is really a fashion to have a sleeve that only goes up to your bicep on one hand, and then a three-quarter length sleeve on the other side, and then a fingerless
1: glove. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, this is this is peak 80s. But I mean, honestly, as far as the figure goes, not, not a whole heck of a lot to talk about outside of the fact that it's all that new female pinless design. So, yeah. Double articulated elbows here. Some of my joints are kind of fresh. There we go. So you get good range of motion there. Same with the knees. Double jointed knees and all that good stuff. And then you got your standard pivot ankles, thigh swivel. Got nice movement in the torso. And then like with most female or long-haired figures, you know, head articulation is a little bit limited by the hairdo. I like the head
3: sculpt. Yeah, I was going to say nice clean paint apps. So I had to take out some plain brown packaging to get to the Mojo World Guide. But as I kind of guessed, it's now the box for Mojo and the little chibi Wolverine.
2: (laughs) The Wolverine does have head articulation. Kind of like a ball jointed thing so you can look up, look down a little bit, side to side.
3: Oh, he's not in that box. He's on that box, leading me to believe he'd be in the box. But that would make too much sense. (laughs) I love the spine. It says December 1989, Mojo Mayhem, March 1992, Mojo World, November (laughs) 1985, The Return of Longshot. So it's like three issues stacked together.
2: Yeah. I mean, and that that makes it more accurate, right? TV Guide wasn't, you know, as thick as a novel. It was, you know, like as thick as a Reader's Digest, because because if you don't know what a TV Guide's thickness was, you certainly know what a Reader's Digest guide was.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The sad thing is TV Guide has gone to a standard magazine size now. So if you don't know about the classic TV Guides, people are probably thinking, what are you talking about?
2: Right. Yep. No, No embossing or anything special in this box. It's all just print. But, you know, like Arnie was pointing out, I think it's more in the details. You got actual looks like pages on the side and one spine facing the other way. So nice, nice attention to detail. Now, I opened mine earlier, and I kind of forget what was in there. You're saying this is all long shot stuff?
3: Yep, just long shots in there. Another nice pinless body. Yes. Got those little knives between his fingers and that 80s mullet going on. Yeah, and I don't have... It's been
2: a while since we've seen long shot in the line, so I'm guessing this is all new from that one. But something's telling me is this is a sneak peek of... The Ghost Rider that's coming out very soon. As far as the uh, body goes, doesn't this I feel like see a that. Ghost Rider body?
3: The boots—they seem yep. like biker boots,
2: and the zippers and the shoulders are that wider kind of leather jackety. So that w-
3: star w- is molded on, though. So I think it would be a different chest piece, at least. Well, it is molded in there. You have to kind of rub your thumb across it to figure that out. But.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a weird. That's a weird thing to do weird flex but okay yeah i mean (laughs) that would work just fine just fine as a painted on detail i don't know why they felt the needed extra sculpting there but yeah nice attention to detail the bullets in his vest are all painted silver
3: yeah and they painted a zipper silver i'm glad to see them putting those paint apps on you know they always said you know do you want a paint app on your accessory or do you want better paint apps on the figure. Well, sometimes I want paint apps on the accessory and they didn't just do it on the bandolier. They did it as a buckle on the little holster on his leg and on his belt.
2: Yeah, and the, the snaps on his, on his pouches look as if they're painted. Yeah. But he also accurate with the mutant three fingers that Longshot is known for.
3: And a knife. I see you've got that in his little holster yeah, it was
2: there. A, it was a little bit tricky to get it in, but I, I'll take it out again and... Just a tight fit with all the other things going on there. Nice detail on the knife.
3: Cool Rambo knife, like Rambo (laughs) 2. And he comes with alternate hands as well. Yeah, one to hold the knife and one just to be reaching. Overall, I heard people complaining about these figures as not really great figures as this. I think they're kind of fun. They definitely go with Mojo and version of Dazzler that I don't know we would have gotten any other way.
2: Yeah, especially since we already have a Dazzler in the line. I don't see them going back to that well any other way outside of a a pack like this. Talked a little bit about the Wolverine. Not not a whole heck of a lot to talk about. It, It does feel like a different line altogether.
3: Yeah, I still don't quite understand its inclusion. And maybe if we get a chance to talk to the Hasbro team sometime soon, I will ask them What's up with the Wolverine? I just don't get the reference. And adding to the
2: mystery of all this, this one comes with a peg hole in his back, but nothing to plug into it. So does that mean that there's another one possibly coming at some time that's going to have an accessory that plugs into this buck? Like in Captain very, America? Maybe, but like this whole thing is sculpted to be Wolverine. I mean, the body is all one solid piece. Oh, so yeah. that means... That means the the claws are there, the X-Men belt is there, the X-Men boots are there. So I don't this couldn't be used as just a regular buck again. It would have to at least be maybe the claws are a separate piece. So it'd have to at least be another X-Men character if they'd use this
3: again. Huh. And not too many I can think of would have something on their back.
2: Right. Weird, weird choice. Weird thing all the way around. Comes in a little stand with peg holes. Oh and putting it in this time, I realize he's standing on his tiptoes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what's weird is they packed that stand in with mojo's hoses so i'm unpacking here and i'm like where's the stand oh it's in with mojo parts <laughs> so let's move on to the big bad boy mojo himself A
2: big mojo mamma jamma.
3: now did you get him held up on the spider legs or is he resting on the bottom and you just have the spider legs like bent up and then down again
2: yeah, I don't I don't think there's enough tension in these joints to actually hold up the weight of it. It's it's resting on the the bulb stands on the bottom.
3: Okay. Okay. So from so a side maybe view, because the bulb isn't maybe because the bulbs are translucent, that's intentional. That yeah, kind of give the impression that it's floating. Mm-hmm. Because I thought the spider legs were supposed to hold it, and that made me deeply disappointed. <laughs>
2: I wonder if they they thought about it, you know, because the figure itself is kind of hollow. Like, I mean, if you just have the body, the heaviest part of this thing almost feels like the head, because the head is a solid chunk of plastic.
3: Mhm.
2: But the the lower torso is almost like a bath toy, you know? It kind of feels like a rubber ducky. I mean, it's squishy it, and
3: <laughs> It does it reminds me of like In the old real Ghostbusters line, when they do stay puffed, they'd always leave him hollow and use a soft kind of rubbery plastic for it. Yeah. He's a chunky boy that has problems fitting in the chair, though. (laughs) I'm really kind of wrestling to get him in with those little pins around him. Yeah.
2: And I had to question myself at first because I was trying to put it down. Those pins are a little bit soft. And I I had to look at it twice. And I looked up online. Like I didn't know if that was like leftover Manufacturing debris, you know, Mm. like the sprues that these needed to be peeled off or cut off. And it's like, no, I looking at the torso, there's indentations there in his belly where these are supposed to rest. Like it's that's what's clamping into his skin to keep him on this device.
3: Yeah, I'm kind of like pushing in on the belly, trying to get the teeth on the chair in the right position to
2: yeah. And that's kind of what I had to do too, is you get it in there, you gotta kind of finesse around those. I did find Pulling them back a little bit, since they are such soft plastic, doesn't hurt, and they get out of the way while you get it on the first time.
3: Yeah, they're very rubbery, or most of yeah. them are. The back ones are really solid. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know if
2: I noticed that before, So it might be by design. But what I really dig on this is the fully articulated legs. Each leg has one, two, three, three ball joints. So you can really get some neat poses out of it.
3: I've always loved Mojo's design. It was one of the first Marvel statues I bought was Bowen's mojo. And I just think with these legs and everything, it's just it's just cool. Even if I didn't like Marvel, I think I'd still like Mojo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just I mean, just an interesting
2: looking creature. Yeah, lot lots of detail in this chair. I mean, you got the exposed wires in the back and some ports, good paint apps throughout. You know, we've got yellow and blue and red paint apps throughout. And it looks like even some silver, which is a little bit harder for the camera to pick up. But there's silver on top of this gunmetal gray plastic that it's cast in.
3: Ah, good call. I didn't really notice that. The wires in his belly side there and the wires in the side of the chair, the wires in his hair. Yeah. The jaundice color and the liver spots. Quite nicely done. Look around his eyes, just the red of his eyes.
2: Yeah. And I, I like the the details of where the tech meets flesh, you know, on his back, there's wires that are slowly going into his belly and back. Ew. <laughs> it's, <gross. laughs>
3: it's like one of those nursing home patients that have started to meld with their bed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You had to make it weird, didn't you? We're talking about Mojo here, and you had to make it weird.
3: <laughs> I'm attaching his arm hoses now.
2: Yeah, let me know if you have trouble with it. Mine seems to want to pop out every time I put them in.
3: I have had problems with one of them. Like It's almost like they gave me two rights and one should be molded left, but they didn't do that because I also have the Target one, which I have built already, and it was the exact same way on that. Ah, interesting. So So unless I have really the worst luck ever with mojo hoses.
2: (laughs) He does come with an alternate head. And to be honest with you, I mean, yeah, one smiling, one has the tongue out, but they're both maniacal looking. You know, would would it have been better to have one with, you know, the tongue out maniacal smile and then one with just kind of a more stoic look? I don't know.
3: I guess the only looks I've never seen him not look maniacal. I've seen him look angry. So you could have, I guess, an angry head.
2: Sure. And then the only other thing that he comes with is some alternate hands. Right now, he, you know, comes packed with kind of a pointing finger and a grabbing hand or he has like a less, less pointy, just more of a claw hand. And then another one that looks like it could hold some sort of accessory, but not quite sure what. These kind of look like severed chicken feet without the arms.
3: Oh my God, they do. (laughs) So as I mentioned, I do have the target one here because you're not going to make this sculpt and not release it at mass retail. And I have a theory if you'd like to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, hit me with it. I have a theory that the Mojo that came in the Mojo World box set is the Mojo they wanted to release mainline and they realized the paint apps were too expensive. And here's what makes me think that. The Hasbro team has told me that happened with the Black Series Landspeeder. If you remember, they put out the Black Series Landspeeder, but for San Diego Comic-Con, they had one with better paint apps that had wires yeah. and paint under the hood and everything. Yeah. And the Hasbro brand team that was in charge back then said, this is what we wanted to put on all shelves, but we couldn't cost out the paint, so we're able to get it out here at Comic-Con for a premium price. And put a lesser painted one on store shelves.
0: And I wonder
3: if that's the case with Mojo. Because compared to this Mojo World Mojo, the individual boxed Mojo is lacking Mojo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean,
2: honestly, Arnie, we kind of talked about it beforehand. Was I was getting antsy for my Mojo. And if it hadn't shipped probably within the next three days from when it did ship and arrive, I probably would have broke down and bought that one because I kept seeing it on the shelf at Target. And I'm like, "Ah, I just want to get my hands on Mojo. But I also kept seeing pictures online. And I'm just like, man, it just does not look finished. Like I can't can't justify spending over $50 on a figure I know I have coming and subpar to the one I have coming.
3: To compare the two, first of all, it's a lot paler. And I'm glad they did that just to help differentiate, but no liver spots. It's not unpainted. There is a wash. If you notice on the Mojo World one, there's a wash too. If you look at his chin and his body, there's just a little bit of like brownish reddish filth on him. And he's got some reddish filth on the target one as well. But there's no paint splotches in his hair. His hair is just pure silver. There's no wires in his hair on the target one. There's no wires on his back on the target one that's just silver. They did put the silver there. So there's at least three paint apps, silver, I guess two, silver, and then the brown wash. Oh, and Mm. some black in with the silver. So three paint apps. The back of the chair is entirely silver. There's no wires on the back of that chair or on the side of the chair. The side of the chair isn't even painted. It's just in the molded plastic color looking like wires. Interesting. So
2: now you're making me wonder, like, as a collector, would you rather these be out and available about the same time so you can make a decision between one or the other? Or would you rather that they came out with the deluxe, much better version, and then six months later said, hey, here's here's another version that's slightly less than the super well-painted exclusive, but it's more widely available? Because, I mean, they they do that. They do that with Build the figures and stuff like that. Here's another version. Sometimes they get us to double dip, but I, I think personally, I like the fact that I have
3: a choice. I don't mind them doing it this way at all. I had a choice whether or not I wanted to buy the retail one or not. I knew I had this other one coming. I wanted to do a compare and contrast for the show, but I also am a completist, so I wanted both. I don't mind them doing that where they could have the exclusive. You know, even if it is just a Pulse exclusive on other figures. And they. I suppose it would have been nice if when they announced the Mojo World set, they said a lesser Mojo will be available at retail so that you knew you had a choice. But I don't mind that they do this. I just, the exclusive one is so much better. I don't know why anyone would choose the retail version over it unless you are a customizer who just wants to go to town and paint Mojo yourself.
2: Yeah. Maybe it would have been neat if they did include one extra head with the retail version and made it look more like dead Mojo. But it's like, if you have both of them, one definitely looked. I mean, even though they both have sickly skin colors, the the retail version does look like a dead version of the exclusive <laughs>
3: version. <laughs> the color's gone. He's just yeah <laughs> pale. The blood is all soaked to the bottom of him. <laughs>
2: Oh, and I just realized there's articulation in the tip of his tail with the, that kind of needle laser tip.
3: Yeah, mine was twisted sideways, and so I was just messing with that.
2: Uh, I think mine might have been locked into position since I got it. I just picked it up and it moved. I'm like, oh, interesting.
3: There's also the tips of those little gripper arms on his chair are rubbery, so you could put something in there. Again, I don't know exactly what you want Mojo to grab, but you could put something in there easily enough. Oh,
2: yeah, well, have to find some sort of in-scale remote control to let him hold on to. <laughs> <laughs> but all in all, I would say an upgrade to the original Toy Biz Mojo, especially in size. I don't have mine, it's long buried in a bin somewhere, but I've seen pictures online and this is much bigger in scale than the original Mojo. I know some people still prefer all the heavy washes on Toy Biz stuff. And I think in some places it works well, and maybe on, on Mojo it does work well too. But I, I mean, I don't have any problem with the paint apps on this exclusive version. I think it looks just as gnarly as it needs to, and yet clean and updated.
3: You know what I'll say about the Target version? If I didn't have the exclusive version, I wouldn't know what I'm missing.
2: Right. Such a good point. If they'd
3: only released the retail version, I wouldn't have known how cool it could look with the little details that the exclusive version has. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, it is It is only in comparison that that one looks less than. Is there something better to compare it to? But yeah, such a good point. If, if that was the only one that was out there, I don't think I'd be complaining about much of anything. Might point out that it feels a little
3: underpainted, but who knows? Yeah. I think I'd complain about the sides of the chair and a couple other things, but overall, both are good figures. Truthfully. I like them both. The exclusive is just so much more and beyond. And I was afraid that if my mojos fell off their chairs, I couldn't tell them apart, but the paint apps are even different on the chairs. So I can tell.
2: (laughs) Got to get your mojo up back on that chair. Glad, glad to have them though. We're getting close to needing to update our, Build-A-Figure show that we've done. You know, there's, since then, there's been quite a few that have come out and now we're starting to tick off the old Toy Biz original ones too. So maybe one day
3: we're getting closer to a Fin Fang Foom, Arnie. It's going to be a HasLab, telling you. There you go. It's going to be next year's HasLab. They're going to go back to what they know works. (laughs) Come with a Mandarin figure because that's the only way you can put out that stereotype. (laughs) So that's it for Mojo. I'm going to put my Mojo away for a little while. Take it out when needed.
2: <laughs> don't don't touch the Mojo
3: too much. I will try not to, despite how fun it is to play with. But before we go, we do have a return of a very old segment we haven't done here in quite a while. There's a new game out, Marvel Snap. Justin, have you tried it yet?
2: You know, I haven't, but I've seen commercials, if that means anything. It means they have a marketing budget, right? (laughs) You got Samuel L. Jackson out here pulling for it.
3: Yeah, that ad worked for me. It got my attention, and I said, all right, let me hop on this thing. And I got a notification the other day that my screen time has increased precipitously to a total of 10 hours per day. I'm not even making this up My phone told me I'm spending 10 hours a day on it now, whereas I usually spent two to three. It's all because of Marvel Snap.
2: Man, I'm doing my best not to get sucked in. Tyler's into it, and I know he's playing it, and now you're playing it, so... I don't know, man. One thing I don't have is extra time on my hands.
3: Well, here is a review of that game to explain why I'm spending so much time obsessed with Marvel
0: Snap. Marvelicious Arcade
3: Well hello and welcome back to the Marvelicious Arcade. It's been a while, it's a little bit dusty in here, but I'm gonna be sweeping out the cobwebs and taking a look at some Marvel video games. And the one I'm looking at this week is the newest game from Marvel. It's a game that's replaced my obsession with Marvel Puzzle Quest. I've been playing Puzzle Quest obsessively for years, and now I don't have time. Because I've been playing Marvel Snap. This game just launched on October 18th. It's available on PC, iPhone, and Android. It was available on PC for beta test before the 18th. You might have seen an ad for this game. They released a really clever one that actually starred Sam Jackson as Nick Fury.
0: Sorry to interrupt. Were you planning a surprise retirement party for me, too? So you heard the news, huh? How exactly did everyone find out about this before me? Someone left your termination papers on the printer.
2: Fury. Uh, I'll try to spare the world from evil overlords better next time.
0: (gasps) Oh, that's right. It's not going to be a next time. The decision has been made. Your replacement has arrived. Yeah, and they put together a fantastic team. I mean, Spider-Man, Gamora, Doctor Doom. Squirrel Girl. This makes no sense, and you know it. It will when you meet them.
2: You're my screen saver.
0: See? Are you out of your f-
3: So what is Marvel Snap? It's a two-player card game. You're paired against another player online, and the game is a strategy game where you play against the other players, but it's also a card collecting game. So, if you've played the Tops Collector app, where there are Marvel cards that you can collect in this Tops app, and some are variants and some are rarer to get than others, and you can trade for them and things, that's an app that you use just to collect the cards, but then What do you do with the cards? How often are you logging into your iPad just to look through your pages of digital cards? I'm not a fan of digital collectibles. NFTs? Not for me. But I do like games, though. And so, here with Marvel Snap, you've got 2-in-1. You entice me more to collect the cards because I can play with them. And you've got a fun game besides. The game is simple to play on the surface. Like I said, there's two players, there's six rounds, and the game goes fast. Most of the games I've played are under five minutes total. You have a deck with twelve cards. Initially, when you start the game, there's a pre-built deck. It includes characters like Hawkeye, Punisher, Hulk, Iron Man, Star-Lord, Thing, Misty Knight, and some others. Then, as you get deeper into the game, you get more cards you're able to choose which 12 cards are in your deck. You start the game with 3 cards, and then draw 1 card per round. Again, there's 6 rounds, so you're going to see at least 9 of your 12 cards in each game. Now, each card has 2 attributes, power and energy. The power is how strong the card is in play, the energy is how much it's going to cost you to play that card. You get 1 energy for whatever turn it is. So on turn four, you get four energy. On turn six, you get six energy. And you play cards based on that energy. You pick the cards that have energy equal to or lower than the amount of energy you have to spend. And that energy is use it or lose it. If you don't play the cards up to every point of that energy, you don't get to collect the energy to keep going. You can't keep all your energy till turn six and just play a whole lot of behemoth cards. When you play your cards, you play them at one of three locations, and each location has bonuses or penalties. One location is revealed each turn, so you may play cards not knowing what'll happen. Some locations add turns to the game, some remove, some add power to each card, some lower power to each card, some are gonna move your cards around, and some locations do absolutely nothing. In addition to power and energy, many cards have abilities, and There's a couple different types of abilities. There's On Reveal abilities that happen once the first time the card is played. For example, Scorpion's On Reveal, one of my favorites, he'll remove one power from each card in the opponent's hand. Squirrel Girl's On Reveal is she adds one squirrel card with one power each to each other location than where she's played. Then some cards have ongoing abilities, and those happen constantly throughout the game. For example, another one of my favorites, Devil Dinosaur, has an ongoing ability that adds two power for each card in your hand. Since it's ongoing, as you use cards and take them out of your hand, that power goes down. And as you draw cards from your deck, the power goes back up. Another one, Ebony Maw, has an ongoing ability that after you play his card, you can't play any more cards in that location. Abilities from cards can modify your powers, other card's powers, card costs, and even add or remove power to locations where the card isn't played. For example, Mr. Fantastic's ongoing ability is to add 2 power to each location adjacent to him. So, a common place to play him is right in the middle, so you get plus 2 power on both the left and the right. The winner is the one who has more power in 2 out of the 3 locations after the final turn, which is usually turn 6. It's a 6 turn game. But as I said, certain things can modify, I've seen it be as low as 4, and I've seen it as high as 7. In the case of a tie, where each person is winning one area, and the third area is tied, whoever's winning their area by the most power points, wins. In the unlikely case, which I have had happen, that the lead is equal in both areas, then the entire game's a tie. So the best way to demonstrate this might be to walk you through as I play a game, I started an account on Steam for PC, I normally play on my iPhone, but I thought I'd start with some more basic cards that you'll actually be seeing if you decide to play this game. Here, my initial hand is three cards drawn, Quicksilver, Medusa, and Misty Knight, and then you see I drew Punisher, turn one started, I draw one card. The three locations are there, one is revealed per turn, the one we have is Hellfire Club. Cards that cost one can't be played here. Now, I only have one energy, so I have to play a card that costs one, or I don't play a card at all. I have two. I have Misty Knight, who has no powers, but two power, or Quicksilver, also no powers, but two power. I'm going to quick play him before I run out of time. I'm playing him in the middle. Now, that is not revealed. I don't know what that location is going to do, so it's a little risky. Here we go. In the Crimson Cosmos, cards that cost 1, 2, or 3 can't be played there. Now, I played Quicksilver there before it was revealed, but I can't play any low-cost cards anymore in that area. It's turn 2. I have 2 energy. I can either play Misty Knight, who costs 1 energy, or now I can play Medusa, who has 2 energy. Medusa has a power that if she's in the middle location, her 2 power becomes 4. However, because of... Crimson Cosmos, I can't play her there, so I'm going to play Misty Knight over here in the third region, which I don't know what it is. And my opponent is matching me card for card. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Oh, now this is fun. The third location, Oscorp Tower. After turn three, all cards here swap sides. Now, currently we're the same in there, but now that it's turn three, I'm not going to put any more cards there because... That would just mean I would lose them and be empowering Callan here, my opponent. I now have three cards I can play because I have three energy. Cyclops has four power but no abilities. Medusa only costs two. Again, as I talked about, Punisher costs three and gets an extra power for each opposing card. So if they play two cards, he'd be equal to Cyclops. I'm just going to go with Cyclops and go with that initial 4 power. And my opponent went with Punisher. So you see, Punisher had 2 power. Because I played a card, his Punisher has 3 power. And the more cards I play there, the Punisher will continue to go up. Turn 4, you saw that our Oscorp Tower, we played the exact same card, so flipping sides didn't really have an effect. I have 4 energy to spend this turn. My 4 power cost card is Thing with six power. Obviously a powerful card to play when this score is 2-2 in most of the realms, so I think I'll use him in the Crimson Cosmos. Again, low cost cards can't be played in the Crimson Cosmos, so this is the lowest cost card I can play there, and you have to win two of the areas, so I can't just focus on Hellfire Club where I'm tempted to put someone. The opponent played medusa which i talked about earlier also played star lord now if i had gone with my instinct and played at the hellfire club star lord would have been power five if i play in the same area as star lord or if you the opponent plays in the same area as star lord on the same turn star lord gets three extra power turn five i have five energy I have really two choices of cards. I have Iron Man here, whose power is zero, but his ongoing power is it will double the power at the location. So I could turn Crimson Cosmos to 16, I could turn Oscorp to four, or Hellfire to eight. But Abomination has a straight nine power, seems more worth it. I'm gonna go play him at Oscorp Tower in the hopes that I can keep my lead at Crimson Cosmos and take the lead at Oscorp Tower. My opponent played Thing, so now I'm losing Hellfire Club pretty badly. But I'm winning Crimson Cosmos quite well and OzCorp Tower quite well. Now, I know that in these early cards is a Hulk, and he's worth 12. And that is literally a game-changer. If my opponent here, Callan, plays a Hulk any place in these realms, I've lost. So, what do I do? I have six energy to spend. I have no high-powered cards, so I'm going to split it up a little bit. I'm going to put... I changed my mind. I'm going to double down on what I've got. I'm going to hope that my lead in Oscorp is enough, and that by doubling Crimson Cosmos, that that lead is enough to keep me winning the game. Now, will the opponent play in one of those areas? Probably because it's where they're losing. If I decided to take, oh, they decided to play in Hellfire Club. That would have been a place I could have played to take over. There's the Hulk. So he really won Hellfire Club, but I won the game because I have 16 in Crimson Cosmos, 11 in Oscorp Tower. It doesn't matter how much you win one area by if you only win one area. So that's kind of a look at the strategy, the tactics, and the powers that you get with Marvel Snap. So I did win that game, and of course winning is always fun, but there's a little bit more to it, as they want to keep you invested in Marvel Snap. If you win, you level up in the game, and if you lose, your level decreases. Now a normal game is worth two points, and for leveling up, there's 10 points per level. But once you reach level 10, you can snap. Oh, snap. Remember, the name of this game is Marvel Snap, And so what is snap? In the game we just watched, I didn't snap. I'm not level 10 in that account. Well, snapping is basically doubling down. See, one of the strategic things you can do in this game is retreat. If a game is worth two points if you lose or win, if you retreat, you only lose one point. And so that helps you retain your level or build your level faster. If you snap, That's like doubling down, so the opponent can retreat at that time or keep playing. If they retreat, they lose one point. If they keep playing, then there's two points at risk or four at the end of the game. Now, both players can snap, and that means that the game can be worth up to eight points. And if there's ten per level, eight points can really swing that pendulum You can level up really fast, or you can lose levels just as quickly. But it also adds another strategic level. Snapping is usually done near the end of the game, and it can be done to signify confidence. After all, if you're doubling down on your hand, you must think you have a good one. But maybe you're a little bit not so confident. Instead of wanting to just retreat, maybe you have a shot at winning, but you snap, and hope your opponent retreats, and that way you get the victory. So it sometimes will come down to snapping because you know you've got to win, or snapping because do you snap, or do you retreat and lose only half the points? And sometimes that decision can be done with basic addition. Sometimes I look at the areas, I look at the cards in my hand, and realize mathematically I can't win. I don't have the energy to play as much power as needed to win two areas, and so when I can't win, retreat and save yourself those level points. Also keeping you enthralled in the game is missions, and they give rewards such as energy, cards, and more. The missions are completed when you do certain things like play five cards of three power each, or win four games, or win two games with snaps. And so, in addition to just leveling up for the sake of leveling up, it's also helping you build your deck, get more credits, get more gold. We'll talk about what those are in just a moment. Now, finally, whatever you play, win or lose, you get what they call energy for one of the cards that was in your deck. What does energy do? Well, let's talk about the card collecting aspect of this game, because it's every bit as addictive to me as the gameplay itself. When you start playing the game, you're given a basic collection of cards. You have enough to make a deck, you can add a couple of cards that you're given in the first two training missions. And as your cards get this energy from playing, you can upgrade your cards. Now, upgrading your cards does not change gameplay. A character's cost, power, and abilities stay the same. What do you get when you upgrade your card? Something incredibly small. A very minor visual upgrade. Those are Frame Break. Frame Break. 3D, but it's that fake 3D, like if you have Facebook, 3D, a 2D photo, because they didn't actually make 3D art for these cards. Animated, where something in the card is moving, but sometimes I have to look really hard to figure out what's moving. A lot of times it's just in the background. Shiny logo, which just means the logo of the character now has a little reflectiveness. Animated frame, meaning the frame around the character now has some light effects going on.
0: Animated frame!
3: And the final one is called Infinity. Each upgrade is exponentially more expensive. And, again, these upgrades are fairly lame. Except, each upgrade increases your overall deck collection level. So what's a deck collection level? As you upgrade your deck, you get rewards. Many of the rewards are new cards to add to your deck. And new cards keep the game very fresh. Plus, you get to hunt for your favorite characters. I still don't have a Peter Parker Spider-Man. It changes your gameplay to have these different cards. You build decks in ways where the characters can play off of each other. So it becomes very addictive to keep building your card collection so you can build better decks to play in the game. Other rewards you get for upgrading your characters are energy for other cards you have so you can upgrade cards even if you don't play them very much, as your deck level increases, you also get some card variant art, so if you have the base card art you end up with two copies of that card in your collection, credits, gold, again we'll talk about those in just a minute, avatars for your profile, cool looking card backs that modify how your deck looks when you play, it becomes a cycle. The more cards you have, the more cards you can upgrade. The more cards you upgrade, the better your deck collection level. The higher your deck collection level, the more cards you get. I've already given the game some actual real-world money to buy extra credits to level up my cards. Not that I care about the minor visual upgrade, but for the deck collection level and to unlock new cards faster. And so let's talk about money. Marvel Snap is a free-to-play game. But obviously, there's a lot of developers, graphic designers, people behind the scenes that need to get paid, and so there is a monetization aspect. And it's not just the energy you need to upgrade a card, it's a combination of energy and what they call credits. Now like many mobile games I've played, Snap has two units of currency. There's credits, or fake money as I think of it, and then there's gold, or real money. Credits are given out pretty freely in the game. Not enough to upgrade all of your cards, but as you upgrade your deck, as you complete missions, credits are a pretty common reward in 50 or 100 denominations. In fact, every single day, the game will give you 50 free credits if you log in and claim it. And you use those credits to upgrade cards And you can even purchase early upgrades for cards where you don't have the energy. You just spend more credits to upgrade that card and again, improve your deck level. Then there's gold. And that's given out rarely in the game. And so I think of this as real money as mostly you have to spend to get it. Gold can then buy you credits. 500 credits is 400 gold or about $6.50. Gold is also used to buy card variants. There's alternate art variants, there's Scotty Young chibi variants, there's pixelated variants. So if you're really into the card collecting aspect, which I'm not in that regard, you're gonna have to spend some dough to upgrade and get a second copy of a card in your hand. But buying these variants can also get you cards you don't already have. So if you're really anxious to get new cards in your deck, or for a specific character, you can spend your gold and get a variant version of a card where you don't even have the base version. Here's the thing, variants cost about 700 to 1200 gold. That means you're spending 10 real world dollars minimum or up to about $17. And again, this is usually real cash paid for that amount of gold. Now, as I mentioned before, I'm not a fan of digital assets. I can never see myself paying for a card variant just for the art. That said, I do believe in supporting game developers. I've put a lot of hours into this game, and the fact that I don't have to pay doesn't mean that I don't feel like I should pay for having a good experience. So, if there's a card I really want to have in my deck to play, and it's there as a variant, I might open up my wallet again to get that card added to my deck. But this all leads back to the game. Once you get more cards in your deck, be them bought or earned, you can build more decks. And as I mentioned before, that adds more strategy to the game. Cards can play off each other. For example, when you play Blade, Blade destroys a card in your deck. But if that card is Apocalypse, Apocalypse when destroyed comes back four power stronger. Likewise, there's a card I really like playing called the Infinite. It's a powerhouse card with 20 power for 6 energy cost. But there's a catch with him. You can't have played a card the turn before. So that means you're basically skipping turn 5 to play this Infinite on turn 6. But that kind of works well if you have Sunspot, who's a 1 cost character. And every time you have unused energy in a turn, it upgrades his power level. So if I skip turn five, Sunspot's power goes up by five, which is a significant jump. And you have to really balance the deck you're building. You have too many powerhouses and you have nothing to play during the early rounds. Too many low level cards and you lack the wallop needed to win in the later rounds. I've built and modified a number of decks. I've found combinations that work well. I found cards that frustrate me with their power working against me. And then sometimes I realize I have in my deck cards I never use. One example of this is a character called Leech. Leech has a wonderful power. He will take away all powers of the cards your opponent has in his hand. I mean, that's tremendous. The problem is Leech costs 5 energy and only has 3 power. So that means you can really only play Leech turn five to get any benefit. That just means your opponent doesn't have any powers to use on turn six, and it means you're playing a three power character when on turn five you could be playing a nine power character or in the case of Devil Dinosaur, a 13 power character. And so Leech got dropped out of my deck and I replaced him with a different character that's working much better. And that adds to a sense of accomplishment. When my deck works together and wins regularly, I feel good, I'm winning, my level is increasing, my deck is growing, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. So in conclusion, I think this game is great for a casual player or someone who really likes to go hardcore with card strategy. It's really addictive. Just in the past couple of days, Marjorie has gotten into the game and is as addicted to it as I am. There's lots of players online. I've never had a problem finding a match even in the wee hours of the night and morning. The game seems to match either by player level or deck level, so the games I play are usually evenly matched. I'm not constantly blown away by a power player or their power deck, nor do I find myself going in and schooling noobs while I have a deck for level 46. And yeah, it's a great game for digital card collectors. There's lots of cards, there's variant card art, and I think it's a given, new cards are going to be added as this game lives on. The developers have already teased new features in the game, including making teams so players can tackle events in tandem. You'll be able to play alongside your friends for even greater rewards. I really enjoy the game, I'm playing it in most free moments, I hate to admit, but hey, if this sounds interesting, I hope I get to play you in there. If you happen to see me, I'm the Arnie C. So that's it for this review in the Marvelicious Toys Arcade, I will be back with another video game review sooner rather than later. Thanks for watching. So that is it for our show this week, guess what guys? It's time for our holiday gift guide next show.
2: <sighs> That's why my tummy's rumbling. I'm getting getting ready for some turkey.
3: <laughs> it's hard to believe that this time of year has come around so quickly. I'm like, it's too soon. It's too soon. But yeah, we've got to get the gift guide going. And we've done it every single year that we've been doing Marvelicious Toys since 2010. This will be our 13th annual Holiday gift guide and Black Friday shopping guide.
2: Right. So, if you bought some of the things off our first list, you might have some vintage items on your (laughs) list.
3: So, all that and more on the next Marvelicious Toys.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. You can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for collectibles, and read articles on Marvel movies, comics, and collecting. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at MarveliciousToys.com. We want your feedback. You can email us at show at MarveliciousToys.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Find all those links at our website. If you want to hear reviews of every movie ever based on Marvel Comics, check out those reviews and hundreds more on the Now Playing Podcast at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Artie Carvalho. Video editing by Andrew. Graphic design by Justin. Photo editing by Jeff and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a Venganza Media Production, copyright 2022, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated.